Hello, everyone, and welcome back to today's episode on Movius Ministries Podcast. This is your friend, Josiah. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is season 18, episode 189. Oh, I hope you guys have had a wonderful day. I hope that you have seek the Holy Spirit today in whatever you're going through um, and that you have been led by his guidance and that his word has been a lamp unto your feet. And if it hasn't, that's okay. We're all human and um, there is still a chance to um, repent and uh, walk in the right way when we do mess up. Here on Movius Ministries, I, with the help of the Holy Spirit, thank God, do my best to interpret scripture, help you grow in your intimacy with the Lord, and to encourage you to remain steadfast through tough seasons as we also continue to be prepared for the second coming of Christ. If you are new to my podcast, welcome. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Part of that plan, part of it, that's key is to turn away from what the world calls you to do and walk into what the Holy Spirit has for you, which is directed by God. If you have been a listener for quite some time now or you're uh, just like your fifth episode in or whatever, welcome back. I pray that God would grow your intimacy with him after today's episode. The verse of the day on Movius Ministries is Ezekiel 34, 27. It it reads, The trees will yield their fruit, and the ground will yield its crops. The people will be secure in their land. They will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who enslave them. Obviously, there's context to this, but we can see that God is saying something, and we know that whenever God says something, we can be trustworthy in whatever he says okay um pretty much my opening announcements so i do have a water here as well so i can stay hydrated thank you very much obviously we're going to be diving into first peter chapter one i know we've been talking about this for a while beloved but uh we're finally diving into this i've been working on chapter two and chapter three behind the scenes i worked on chapter three today i worked on chapter two yesterday today i was going to go to the gym but i felt the lord during uh i went to prayer this morning and i felt the lord say hey i actually want you to work on your podcast and i was like oh okay and then my friend Brittany, uh she's just a friend but um and i love her to death she does she does an incredible part in the body of christ we've been friends for like probably like four years now four and a half years um, oh, what was I going to say? It's crazy because like her and I have been wanting to meet up and like connect and talk about what's been going on in our lives. And um, when the Lord the Lord was like, hey, I actually want you to work on your podcast today. And I was like, well, I'll just go to Labindigo. It's a coffee shop that I know. And she uh, texted me. Brittany did. And she, she was like, hey, I'm going to be in Lake Orion today. And I'm like, oh, well, God told me to. Hey. So I was like, just look at what the Lord does. I love it. I, if you've if you've had a story like that, um, you can put it in the comments below. If you guys ever want to say anything about like my podcast or ask me a question, um, you can just put it in. You can just put that in the response below, and I'd, I'd love to answer that. 
And if you'd like to know the song that just played, it was called Power to Believe, instrumental by the Dream Academy. Let's open in prayer, everyone. Father, we just come to you today through the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would help me not feel like I have to people please on today's episode. Please strengthen me to just say the right things. I pray for the listener. Um, I just pray you would invigorate a work in their hearts. I pray your word would go forth in power. Father, we thank you for the breath in our lungs which you give us. I pray my listeners would give you thanks in the midst of all circumstances. In the valley lows and in the mountain highs, they would always give you thanks. I pray that in the midst of whatever trial my listener might be going through, your beloved Father, that they would find hope in their salvation. Father, I pray you'd bring people into salvation today If, if for those that may not be. Just pray for open eyes. I pray for provoked hearts. I pray that you'd convict us. Holy Spirit, even though I'm teaching, show me things that I can learn. And Lord, I pray that you would just tend to any pain in our hearts tonight, that we would just surrender it to you and find joy in having intimacy with you, being able to talk to you, know that we can have direct relationship with you, Father, in the midst of, while we were still sinners, you died for us, Jesus. And we love you for that. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you're a Spotify listener, there is a question posted below you can answer if you have a smartphone about this study on 1 Peter chapter 1. If you have any questions about today's episode, you can email me at josiahmovius12 at yahoo.com. And if you'd like to know the song that's playing right now, it's called, if I can, I always have a hard time pronouncing this, but it's, it's Koinonia, In His Presence by Waldner Worship. Co, co, I can't pronounce it. <laughs> it's really funny. Okay. Now, uh, beloved, I encourage you take let's let's take notes through this. I have about 28 pages I'm about to go through, and uh, I'm just going to go through this slowly. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit guide me and you through this. This is probably going to be a two-part message, so if you are listening to this, please make sure you listen to the part two. Um, the app that I use it's called Anchor, and I can only record up to an hour per episode. So sometimes I can't squeeze it all in one hour, and I got to make it into two parts. So. Now, some of you know, I have continued to encourage you to look at the Bible Project. They're a YouTube ministry, and uh, look at their videos on overviews through certain books of the Bible. I'm going to take a few things from their overview on the first letter written from Peter to understand some context here. I challenge you, beloved, before you, under- before you understand and go through this study with me, Go and listen to the video they have about the overview of the first letter that was written by Peter. Peter wrote two of these letters, and eventually, Lord willing, we'll get into 2 Peter. 
Um, it's just under eight minutes long, the video, and it will really help you understand this study more clearly. Um, I mean, I know I could watch it over and over again. Um, I know, like, every time... I'm a big, I'm a big movie watcher, and... Like, there's a movie called... There's, a, there's an old movie called Millions, and... I've watched that movie probably four or five times, and every time I watched it, I found something new. And so sometimes we can do that when we read scripture or we watch a YouTube video, or we, we, we listen to a sermon, and you know we're like in one season for one year, and then the next season we listen to the same sermon, and then we, we hear something that we didn't hear previously, and we're like, oh! And so there's actually a verse on that that I, I, I talked about this with, with, with uh, Brittany. It's, I think it's Proverbs 23. Let me um, let me look it up real quick because there's a verse that can apply with this. Okay, here we go. It's Proverbs twenty-five eleven. I knew it. Okay. Um. Oh, here it is. Okay, I'm going to read this out of the... Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I'm trying to find the right version. I really want to find this verse. So, okay, I don't think this is the verse that I actually found, but it's Proverbs 25.11 out of the NLT. It says, Timely advice is lovely, like golden ap apples in a silver basket. So it's pretty much, an al uh, it's, it's, it's saying, as it's really nice to see golden apples in a silver basket, so is timely advice is lovely. So um, you could say like, I, I'm not sure the Hebrew word for advice, but it might be like a word or um, a take. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, so it's like, Sometimes you can listen to a sermon and you you get something from it. You listen to it again three you know three three months three years three days from then and you're like oh and you you learn something new and I this is so this has actually happened with like I don't know if you guys know John Bevere I read his book a long time ago The Bait of Satan it was a great book and I watched his sermon on the Refiner's Fire about a month ago and uh, there was a part in that sermon that I didn't catch when I watched the sermon about. I want to say maybe two or three years ago. Um, I think it was actually last year, actually. I watched that sermon when I was at Bethel for my first year. Okay, uh, Peter's name was Shimon, uh, or Simon, when he first became a follower of Jesus. And he was part of the inner circle of the 12 disciples, which you can read in the Gospels. When Peter made his confession that that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus changed his name to the Greek word kephas, which is, or it's actually, sorry, it's actually Aramaic for rock. And that a, that Aramaic word is spelled K-E-P-H-A-S, K-E-P-H-A-S. In case you guys are taking notes down, I will say that one more time, K-E-P-H-A-S. 
A-S. Now that Aramaic word later is translated in the Greek as Petros, or in English we would read it today as Peter. Um, that's the, Peter is, is the English translation from the Greek Petros. Uh, Jesus promised that Petros, Peter, would become a leader among the apostles to guide the Messianic community in Jerusalem through its earliest years. And that's exactly what happened as we read in Acts chapter 1 uh, through uh, chapters 1 through 10. We discover at the conclusion of this letter uh, that Peter, or Petros, is in Rome, which he called Babylon. And we learn that while Peter commissioned the letter, it was actually composed by a man named Silvanus, who was a co-worker of Peter. It's really interesting. I'm going to read that one more time in case you didn't catch it. We learn that while Peter commissioned this letter, commissioned the letter, it was actually composed by a man named Silvanus, who was a co-worker of Peter. This was a circular letter sent to the multiple church communities. It's like when we went through uh, Galatians, uh, that, 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 that Paul's letter was written to the, what it, what it says, many churches in the city of Galatia, which is again today's modern day Turkey. This letter was written in the Roman province of Asia Minor, which is modern day Turkey. Peter learned that these mostly non-Jewish Christians were being persecuted. They were facing hostility and harassment from their Greek and Roman neighbors, and so Peter wrote to encourage them in the midst of their suffering. And this helps explain the, uh, the, the, letter, the letter design and its main themes. Uh, 1, Peter, uh, 1 Peter 1, Peter or Petros uh, starts off with a greeting, then a, then a song of praise, and then he moves forward into understanding your new family identity in Christ. Chapters 2 through 4, Petros or Peter talks about suffering as a witness to Jesus. Peter then uh, concludes with suffering and a future hope in the new Jerusalem. And some of you guys know that that has been a, a, a thing a message on my heart that I want to talk about, about um, in the midst of our suffering, we have hope in knowing that we will be in the new Jerusalem in the end. And uh, Romans 5, 3 highlights this as well. It's been a verse that I actually, I actually prayed this over the body of Christ today, that, that verse, and when I went to prayer this morning. Um, also, if it kind of encourages you guys at all, I did pray for you guys. I just was like, Lord, I pray for my listeners. And so I just want to say that to encourage you and really show you that that I do care about you guys so much. Even though I don't like really know who my listeners really are, I still care about you because I know your place in Christ. Again, I got most of what I just read from uh, the overview of the Bible Project, but I still challenge you to kindly go watch the Bible Project's video on understanding this letter written by Peter. Today we'll be reading out of the ESV version. Here are some interesting facts about Peter. Peter's name is mentioned in the Gospels more than anyone except the name of Jesus. No one speaks in the Gospels as often as Peter did, and Jesus spoke more to Peter than to any other individual. Let's dive into that for a second. Peter, or Jesus rebuked Peter more than any other disciple. Maybe, maybe, maybe that makes sense because he talked so much. <laughs> Peter was the only disciple who dared to rebuke Jesus. Peter uh, confessed Jesus more boldly and accurately than any other disciple. 
Peter denied Jesus more forcibly and publicly than any other disciple. Uh, uh, Jesus praised Peter more than any other disciple. Jesus addressed Peter as Satan alone among the disciples. Since Peter is so prominent in the gospel records, it is worthwhile to remind ourselves of some of the important mentions of Peter in the record of biblical history. When Jesus woke up early in the morning to pray before the sun came up, Simon Peter led the other disciples on a hunt to find Jesus and tell him what he should do. He meaning Jesus. You can read that in Mark 1, 35 through 39. Number two, Peter put his nets out at the direction of Jesus to bring in a massive catch of fish. That's Luke 5, 1 through 11. Peter went on a unique outreach trip with the other disciples, Matthew 10, 1 through 42. It's a, it's a lot of reading right there, 42 verses, but it's good. Peter stepped out of the boat during a raging storm and walked on the water with Jesus. That's Matthew 14, 24 through 33. Peter was the one who said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe to know that you are um, the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's John 6, 68 through 69. Peter saw Jesus transfigured in glory together with Moses and Elijah, Matthew 17, 1 through 9. Peter was the one who asked Jesus how many times he would forgive a brother that sins against us, quoting the high number of seven times. That's Matthew 18, 21 through 35. There's a, there, there, there's a bunch here, but we're just going to keep reading here. Peter was the one who insisted that Jesus would not wash his feet. Then he commanded Jesus to wash his whole body. John 13, 16 through 20. Uh, I forgot the one before that. It's uh, Peter was the one who asked Jesus after the encounter with the rich young ruler what the disciples would receive for giving everything up to follow Jesus. Matthew 19, 27 through 30. Peter heard Jesus predict that he would deny him three times, Matthew 26, 30 through 35. And Peter replied, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you, Matthew. That's Matthew 26, 35. And the rest of the disciples, they agreed. Peter was one on, was the one who cut off the right ear of Malachus, the servant of the high priest, uh, when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus. That's John 18, 1 through 11. Peter denied Jesus three times, cursing and swearing that he did not even know the man, uh, refusing to even know the name of Jesus. That's Matthew 29, 69 through 75. Peter was the one who ran with John, the disciple, to the tomb uh, on the morning of the resurrection after hearing the, the report of the woman that the body of Jesus was not in its tomb. That's John 20, 1 through 10. Peter was the one who received a personal visit from the resurrected Jesus on the day of resurrection. Uh, Luke 24, 34. Peter received a public restoration of Jesus in front of the other disciples after the resurrection of Jesus. That's John 21. Okay. Whew. That's a lot of good stuff. But... Okay. This next part... Uh, about Peter is quite alarming to me when I came across it on David Guzik's study guide through 1 Peter 1 on Blue Letter Bible. 
Little Red Bible is a website that you can go on to look at original language study guides by different commentators. It's a really good website. You, should, you guys should check it out. Peter did, uh, number one, Peter did nothing to explain or justify his apostleship and did not add a phrase like by the will of God as Paul did on some occasions. You can see that in 1 Corinthians 1.1, 1, 1, 2 Corinthians 1.1, 1, 1, Galatians 1.1, 1, 1, and Ephesians 1.1, 1, 1, and so on. There's other scriptures. So it's, it's really interesting. Peter did not like explain or justify his apostleship by adding a phrase of by the will of God. It's so, so interesting. Now, unlike Paul, Peter's apostolic status was never questioned. This brief this brief phrase indicates Peter's authority, and you can like like you can like um here are some scriptures to back up Paul's arguments with the church that were asking proof for his right to teach and and instruct the churches as an apostle. First Corinthians nine one through three out of the ESV, it reads, "Am I not free? Am I not an apostle?" Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Have not you my my workmanship in the Lord? If two if two others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. And so then then he explains in verse four, five, and six. Um, his defense. So it's really interesting. So we're 21 minutes in and we're just now starting First Peter 1, but that's okay because this is a study and we just learned a lot of good stuff. So the greeting, starting in verse 1, is Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So we can see right there, he doesn't. Ex- he, it, it's, it's true, he doesn't explain by the will of God because in the next sentence says, to those who are uh, elect exiles of the uh, dispersion. Remember that word right there, dispersion, in Pontus, uh, Galatia, Cappadocia, I think that's how you pronounce it, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now, remember. Uh, at the verse 2 right there where it says sanctification of the spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ. Remember that part and remember at the end of verse 2, remember the word multiply. We're going to come back to those two things. The uh, If we go back to verse, uh, verse 1 where it says to those who are elect exiles to the dispersion. The Greek word for that is the word pyre pedamas. Pyre pedamas. It's used as an adjective, and it means one who comes from a foreign country into a city of land to reside to reside there by the side by the side of the natives. And if you'd like to know how to spell this Greek word, it's spelled P A R E P I D E M O S. Spell that one more time: P A R E P I D E M O S. Now, the reason why I think it's important to look at this word for dispersion in the Greek is because in the Old Testament, God shows those, uh, God shows who to give the law to and who to not. Okay, we read earlier through our study in Galatians that there are no Jews and no Gentiles. We are all one in Christ. Gentiles were people who did not know the law in the Old Testament. They be, they they did pagan worships. They did things that were not right in the eyes of the Lord. 
but now that Christ has come, he has made us all one in him. So I hope that makes sense why I kind of wanted to bring in that Greek word. Uh, now, multiplied at the end of verse 2 is used as a verb, and in the Greek, it means to increase. Um, because again, we are called to grow in, in, in God's grace and not grow in the law. I don't have the Greek word here. It's probably because I didn't know how to pronounce it, so I'm sorry about that. But um, I didn't even, I, I think, I, now that I kind of remember, I don't think I was able to even spell it because it was a little bit confusing. But anyway. Going back to verse 2 where it says, In sanctification of the Spirit for obedience, it's an essential result of election. Uh, sorry, an essential result of election is sanctification and obedience. While some would think that election has only to do with going to heaven or hell, Peter reminds us that it, it, it's, it, it also touches earth. So it's both factors. A claim to be among the elect is doubtful if there is no evidence of sanctification and obedience. I love that. I got that from Blue Letter Bible. And then uh, point two from Blue Letter Bible, uh, at the end of verse two where it says, and sprinkling the blood of, of Jesus Christ, based on that, since all, the, since all the elect fall short of perfect sanctification and obedience, there is cleansing from sin provided for them through the sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable. Remember that word imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being granted through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I love that. I just, to see the Holy Spirit speak through Peter in a way like that is just like so wonderful. Now, I didn't know how to pronounce the Greek word for the word imperishable because we, I told you to go back to that, but it's spelled A-P-H-T-H-A-R-T-O-S. Spell that one more time. A-P-H-T-H-A-R-T-O-S. Now, this word is used as an adjective and it means uncorrupted, not liable to corruption or decay, or beyond the reach of change. I got that last definition from the Amplified Bible. And then uh, where it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When Peter considered the salvation of God, his immediate response was to simply praise him. This is especially because the motive for God's work is found in him, not in us. Uh, being according to his abundant mercy. That may be kind of hard to realize, but when we put ourselves in a place of humility, um, we can we can understand that and realize that. All his goodness to us begins with mercy. No other attribute, attribute could have helped us had mercy been refused. As we are by nature... As we are by nature, justice condemns us. Holiness frowns upon us. Power crushes us. And truth confirms the threatening of the law and wrath fulfills it. It is from the mercy of God that all our hopes begin. So it's like, what can our hopes be in that? Into what Christ did. That's it, guys. Verse 6, in this you rejoice. Remember that part right there. Remember that part right there. In this you rejoice. 
Though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Remember that word grieved. So that the tested, remember that word tested, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through, it is tested by fire. That it may be found, that it may be found, I added that to make more sense, to the result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so I want to elaborate. I'm going to go off note for a second because I'm kind of getting this little thing right now. It says right here that the testing of your faith is showing that it's more precious than gold so that it can be found in the result to bring glory to God. And this is something I've been thinking about recently is like, this is this has been a big weight off my chest and I really think this is from the Holy Spirit. In the midst of when we go through trials, sometimes, this is, this is what I'm learning with the Holy Spirit right now, sometimes we can be like, Lord, I just want to get out of this. And you keep having endurance. You keep praying, keep reading your Bible. You're maybe fasting and praying in secret. Maybe you're in that season. You're having Bible studies. You're watching sermons. You're letting God use you in spiritual gifts. It's like maybe maybe that's all you're really supposed to do. Maybe you don't maybe maybe you don't have to get out of it. Maybe God just wants you to have the right endurance. That's it. We went through James 1, beloved, you know, not too long ago. And he just, James says that you're going through this trial so that you can be perfect, lacking in nothing. He ends it right there. There's nothing more to add to it. So it's like, we put all this stress on us to like, and I think it's really like this man-made religion. Like, oh, you got to get out of this trial. And no, rather like, I, I just, I know too much scripture that elaborates so strongly on just having the right endurance. That's it. When God wants to get you out of it, he will direct that. He will do that. And that's not me saying that you can't pray that, but rather more of our focus should just be on having the right endurance and, and, and having knowing that we can be safe in that security. That that may be all we have to do right now and God will take care of the rest. So I hope that blesses you, but that has really been helping me lately with the kind of things that I've been going through with the Lord. Now there's a psalm that I want to, that I want to use to connect with verses uh, for, for verse 6 and 7 and it's, um, it's Psalm 143. If you want, read along with me. I'm going to read it on my on-hand uh, Amplified Bible. It's a kind of a long chapter, but it's Psalm 143, and I'm going to connect it with these two verses, and, I'm, and then I have a long note of elaborating how it connects. So, I can find Psalms. Hang on a sec. Psalm 143. We're going to read the whole thing, but we're going to connect it with these two verses, six and seven. This is really beautiful, beloved. I really think this is gonna to touch your heart. I'm sorry, it's actually, it's only 12 verses. I thought it was like, I thought it was like 25 verses. So here we go. Out of the Amplified, Psalm 143. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my supplications. Answer me in your faithfulness and, your, and in your righteousness. And do not enter into judgment with your servant. He's saying, I'm the servant. That's you, beloved. For in your sight no man living is righteous or justified. For the enemy has persecuted me. He has crushed my life down to the ground. He has made me dwell in dark places. Like those who have been long dead. Therefore my spirit is overwhelmed and weak within me, wrapped in darkness. My heart grows numb within me. 
I remember the days of the old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I reach out my hands to you. My throat thirsts for you as parched land thirsts for water. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I will become like those who go into the pit or the grave. Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning, for I trust in you. Teach me the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Rescue me, O Lord, from my enemies. I take refuge in you. Teach me to do your will so that I may please you. For you are my God. He says, He says, teach me your will because you are my God. It's this, oh man, that's so deep. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Verse 11, save my life, O Lord, for your name's sake. That's been one of my prayers recently. When I pray something, recently I've been saying, Lord, for your name's sake. In your righteousness, bring my life out of trouble. In your loving kindness, silence and destroy my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my life, for I am your servant. So, it's, it's, I, I, I found that psalm when I read Joyce Meyer's book, Battlefield of the Mind, and that book radically changed my, changed my like, look at my mental health, and I really learned more about my codependencies. Some of you guys know I've talked about that here on my podcast, and I've come a long way in that. I've really learned how to not act in that way and not feel guilty when I don't act in that way. But after reading that, we can see David, that was, that was a psalm of David, because we know that David, uh, the Psalms also include Asaph, which was uh, David's musician, Moses, and Solomon. We can see David, the man who was after God's own heart, go through some kind of a trial. And we, we I'm connecting this with, I'm, I'm, I'm going to continue my notes in the moment, and then I'll read verse 6 and 7 again to help you understand it better. He says that his spirit is overwhelmed and weak within him, that he was wrapped in darkness. How many times, beloved, have we had days like this? And there may be different reasons, and that's fine, but we can still seek the Lord in it. We read that David says, but I ponder on the days of the old, what you have done. So going back on verse 7, what or we have gone through many fires, but our faith has sh- has been shown more precious than gold. How can this be? Because of the goodness of Jesus and what he did for us to continue to have faith through trials. So you can see that David's going through this trial, but he keeps persevering and he keeps reaching out to the Lord. And so we're connecting that with verse 6 and 7 here. I hope you kind of see what I connected there, but I love that psalm. That's probably my top five, honestly. I love that. So I hope that makes sense. So where it says, In this you greatly rejoice, uh, we especially rejoice in keeping God's power when we are grieved by various trials, knowing that he will keep us as our faith is tested by fire. And then for verse 6 where it says, If necessarily you have been grieved. Sometimes it is... It is thought that a strong Christian will never be grieved in a trial. I really, I mean, I like, I think like we actually think that. The idea that a Christian should be like Superman through bullets are shot at, though bullets are shot at Superman, they all bounce off Superman, they all bounce off his chest. Yet Peter here 
in verses 6 through 7 tells us that there is a need that that there is a need be not only for various trials but more especially that there is a need be for a for being grieved itself God has a purpose not only for the trial but also for the heavy grief we feel in the trial God is in the small details beloved Essentially, I think Peter is saying you don't have to put on this fake humility and have this kind of fake strength. If you have been grieved with these trials, it's okay. Why? Because it has made your faith more alive. And I've seen that in this season that I'm in right now. Now, I want to I elaborate on that for a second. You guys know I've been home for about a year from Bethel. And, um... I, uh, the Lord spoke to me and he was like, when you, when you get home, someone's going to buy you a car paid in full. My dad bought me a car. I only told that word to one person, my, my friend, Jake. And, um, the Lord has told me to, uh, I'm only able to work part time right now. So I'm not making a lot of money. And as much as people have told me to save up for a car, God has told me to put my money somewhere else. And, um, I've had people ridicule me emotionally about, where I'm putting my money and I've I mean I've suffered for doing what's right and I know we talked about this last week Matthew 5 walking the Beatitudes um, but that's this 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 trial that I'm going through really has grown my faith and I've continued to seek the Lord I mean kneel down a lot and lots of tears but just continuing to seek the Lord and there's just been moments where I have felt very hopeless um, and it's been hard but uh it's just it's been good uh, it's teaching me a lot and i've and i've recently been taking that weight off my shoulder of, of like oh, i gotta get out of this when instead maybe i just need to have the right endurance and just whenever the lord tells me to do something i'm just going to do it and know that that is directing me the right way now sometimes god puts us in a trial not to eventually get us out of it but i'm reading from my notes but to help us have the right endurance that that it's not your fault if you can't seem to get like find a way out of your trials if it is causing you to keep having endurance i personally would have a hard time believing god isn't working behind that i have a very i want to make that very clear everyone i have a very hard time believing that god is not working behind that i have seen too many scriptures in the new testament that explain the um that explain the importance and the prayers given to just have the right fruit in all situations. Colossians 1, 9 through 12, it's a verse that I prayed this morning over the body of Christ. Paul pretty much just says that you'd be filled with the knowledge of God to please him in every good work and have endurance with patience and joy. It's just like he never prays ever, God, get them out of the situation. Jesus, I'm not sure where it's at in the Gospels, but Jesus even says, um, when I go through trials, is the Lord, am I going to say to the Lord, oh, Lord, please help me get out of this? Even though if you have had that prayer, I'm not ridiculing you, but Jesus goes, no. He says, I'm actually going to say, Lord, let your glory be made known. Because then you're having fear, you're not having faith in God. And I love what Chris Valentin says, that fear is faith in the wrong God. And I love that. I learned that, I heard that when I was at my, at 
my second year at Bethel, and I really like that. Uh, verse 6, uh, where it says various trials, literally it means many colored. And it was used to describe the skin of a leopard, the different colored uh, veinings uh, of a marble or an embroidered robe. Verse 7, faith tested by fire. Our faith isn't tested because God doesn't know how much or how much or what kind of faith we have. That's not why, beloved. It is tested because we often are ignorant of how much or what kind of faith we have. God's purpose in testing it, testing is to display the enduring quality of our faith. This is from Charles Spurgeon, a really well-known theologian. He says, Indeed, it is the honor of faith to be tried. Shall any man say, I have faith, but I have never had to believe uh, under difficulties? Who knows whether thou hast any faith? Shall a man say, I have great faith in God, but I have never had to use it in anything more than the ordinary affairs of life, where I could uh, probably have done without it as well as with it? It is to the honor... Is this to the honor and praise of your faith? Do you think that such a faith as this will bring any great glory to God or bring to to you any great reward? If so, your art is mightily mistaken. It's really beautiful. Uh, where it says, much more precious than gold that perishes, um, if gold is fit to be tested and purified by fire, then how much more our faith which is far more precious than gold. How much more is it? God has a great and important purpose in testing our faith. Faith is tested to show that it is sincere faith or true faith. Faith is tested to show the strength of faith. Faith is tested to purify it, to burn away the dross from the gold. For those of you that don't know what dross is, when you refine gold, I, I think I'm right about this, I could be wrong, but there's like, there's, there's things on the outside that need to be taken away. And in the middle, there's the gold. And the stuff that's on the outside is called the dross. D-R-O-S-S. -S. So a lot of the times it's to... And that, that we can we can talk about the refiner's fire. Plan out, maybe I'll do a sermon on that one day if the Lord wills it. But also, we're going to move on to verse 8 in a second. Um, we're 43 minutes in and we've only done 7 verses, but that's okay. Gold is one of the most durable of all materials, yet it is to yet it too will one day perish, but our faith never will. And then uh, Peter finishes or he continues in verse eight, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice. Remember that word rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. These are my favorite verses by far, verses 6 through 9. Now let's go back to that word rejoice. It's the Greek word agaliao. agaliao. This word is used as a verb. 
which is really interesting, and it means to be exceedingly glad. It's beautiful. Uh, the Greek, uh, if you'd like to know how to spell that Greek word, it's A-G-A-L-L-I-A-O. Spell that one more time, A-G-A-L-L-I-A-O. Now, essentially, Peter is saying this, beloved, look at your faith. You have gone through many trials. You've seen your fit, your friends be persecuted, but you've endured. What glory is there for you in heaven? It has been tested by fire, and through it, it will bring honor to the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's like, that's it. That's all that needs to be done. And there's people out there that will add to it to put a heavy burden on you, and I challenge you, do not listen to that. Now let's go back to verse 6, okay? Where Peter says, you guys have been grieved by many trials. It's the Greek word lupeo, lupeo. This word is used as a verb, okay? Once we see that word being used as a verb, we can see this is this is an emotion to these, this is an emotion these non-Jewish Christians are experiencing. And we can relate with this. There are moments when we can do James' words to be glad in the midst of trials, but we can also be grieved by them. Now, James does use a different Greek word, but I feel I can explain it in the same way. Now, the definition uh, means to, for, for, the, for the word uh, lupeo, I don't think I have how to spell it here, how to spell that Greek word, so I'm sorry, I won't be able to know how to spell that. But the definition is to make one sorrowful, to affect with sadness, cause grief, and this last one's really interesting, it means or to make one feel uneasy. It's really interesting, and so I... That's kind of how I feel right now in the season I'm in. I have definitely felt very uneasy and I've just had moments where I'm here in my room and I just kneel down and I just picture like, this is, I've actually pictured this, but like kneeling down and as I'm kneeling down, like the Lord like standing next to me and I just lean over on his legs and just kind of, just kind of sit there and him just kind of saying like look at my son and i'm not saying this like pridefully or self-righteously but just like and i think i've said this before but i got this from joyce meyer resting in the lord is spiritual warfare to the enemy and i think that's what is evident right there when you do that going on 47 minutes here so i'm going to see when i'm going to end part one here um i'm gonna finish I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish these last few notes here, and then we're going to move on to verse 10 in part 2, and who knows, maybe we'll have to do a part 3. But let's look at verses 8 through 9. Peter saw Jesus. He walked with him. He knew him face to face. Then, then when he goes out into the nations to preach what Jesus told him to do, these people came into salvation and believed what Peter proclaimed about. It goes right back with uh, doubting Thomas. God love him. <laughs> when Thomas says, I will not believe until I see the holes in his hands. Jesus then came to meet Thomas where he was. Jesus then continued and said, as recorded in John 20, 29, out of the Amplified Version, it says, Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, do you now believe? Blessed, 
happy, spiritually secure, and favored by God are they who do not see me and yet believe in me. Peter then ends with the result of all this, it will obtain your faith, the salvation of your souls. So he's like, he's like, he's, Peter's like, you guys have seen, you guys haven't seen him, but you love him. And Jesus says, blessed that you are happy, you are spiritually secure, and you're favored by God. You're favored by the cre- by, the, by the creator of the freaking universe. Are you kidding me? Thank you, Lord. Like, oh. <laughs> so, <clears throat> all right, let's end part one with this. I'm going to close in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for just how much you're revealing in this part one. As we dive into part two, I pray you'd open our eyes. Father, we delight in you. We love you. We thank you for your word. I pray for my listeners as they go out. If they can't listen to part two, Father, I pray you just, Holy Spirit, direct them. Lead them into intimacy with you. That they would have that moment of, into me you see, Abba. Pray for peace upon their minds, that they would trust in the sacrifice Christ made for their, um, for their souls. In Jesus' name, amen. I just realized, I literally, gosh, I did my Matthew 5 last week. Or no, I didn't, oh my gosh, it wasn't Matthew, no, I did Matthew 25 last week. Oh my gosh, I've been so busy lately and, oh, okay, um, I literally was like, oh my gosh, I didn't share the gospel at the end of my message. Crap. So I'm going to do that right now, just in case you guys can't listen to part two. And if there's someone that doesn't know the gospel, I can share it. Um, let's open my notes here real quick. Let's find the gospel. Here it is. Okay. So. This is the, 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 the gospel, uh, a little overview. Um, this is what, what these are, this is my interpretation of the gospel. There was a law given to God's people, the Israelites, which were written on literal tablets of stone, and God gave it through Moses after God led his people, the Israelites, out of, bond, out of the bondage and slavery of Egypt through King Pharaoh. Now, generation after generation, God's people, the Israelites, could not do what God demanded. There were many kings who led over God's people, the Israelites. Many were righteous. Many of the kings were righteous in the eyes of the Lord, but many were also evil. There then came prophets sent by God who would give God's people and kings a message of many kinds. Through Isaiah's words in chapter 53, there was a prophecy about a coming Messiah, uh, someone from the lineage and the roots and the genealogy of David that would save everyone from their sins to then be in right standing with God through this Savior. After all the turmoil of the law that brought forth death, Jesus came and started to proclaim the gospel. And it was said, repent and believe in the gospel, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus also said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, which means all the rules and what the prophets have said about me and what the prophets have said other than me. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Paul was a chosen man by God to proclaim the good news of the gospel. It says in Romans that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. To sin, it's the, uh, it's the Greek, um, it means to miss the mark. 
we are not morally good people. We are dead in our sins. But Christ came to redeem us from the curse of the law, the sting of death he redeemed us from. And now, if we trust in his name, he may, we, we, are, we are in right standing with God. Jesus lived a life we couldn't live by being tempted by sin, but knew no sin that we could become the righteousness of God to be in right standing with God. We are all sheep who have gone our own way, uh, but God has caused the wickedness of us all to fall on Jesus. So in essence, the bad news is we couldn't do what God asked of us. Generation after generation, we kept falling short. But the good news is Jesus finished it. And those who repent, which means to change one's mind and then have fruit in it, to have action in it and live according to God's will for your life and trust in the sacrifice he made for your sins, you are saved. You are righteous. You are in right standing with God. That is the truth. That is the gospel. Here are some scriptures that emphasize what Christ has done. You can read this on your own time. It's Galatians 3, 10 through 14, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, Isaiah 53, John chapter 3, and Ephesians chapter 2. Thank you so much for listening to this part one through 1 Peter chapter 1. This is your friend Josiah. God bless you.